Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Um, so Natasha, thanks so much for coming on Mentally Yours. Thanks for joining us. Um, so tell us about your charity. So I am the founder of a service called Free Your Mind, and it's a service that supports children, well, child victims of domestic abuse. And we do that by providing them with therapy, counselling, mentoring, and then there's other wraparound services, um, which include us sending wellbeing packs to the children. And that they might include very bespoke items. So if a child needs pens and pencils, books, um, you know anything that they need really basic items even down to hygiene items um, that they can't afford we are able to do that for them um, we also have another part of our service that um, helps family when they have fled domestic abuse so then they um, can apply for white goods like um, fridges um, wash machines a new bed or a sofa um, to help them start over again um, without too much stress was there a reason that you wanted to go into this? I know obviously it's a it's a very important cause, so I'm not asking like why on earth do you do it? <laughs> Well sometimes was... I do think that, so don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, just was there anything personally for you that made it really important? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I grew up witnessing domestic abuse as a child um, from the age of seven to 11. And it had a huge effect on the person I became. And I didn't realize, you know, you don't realize it as a child, because that's just the life you're living in. You think it's um, normal to an extent. And it wasn't till I had a breakdown in my 20s that um, I looked back and thought, how how the hell did I have, you know, get get here? You know, I ticked all, you know, all the boxes that are expected of you, like you go to school, you get your A-levels, you go to university, I managed to get quite a decent job, and then ended up, um, you know, with a bit of a trail of destruction behind me, which included, um, you know, me um, trying to numb um, the trauma that I hadn't really processed or realized what I'd been through, through um, partying, drinking, um, and just um, picking up um, really destructive relationships. And it wasn't until I had that breakdown that it caused me to stop and look back and think, you know, again, how did I get here? And it made me search all the way back to my childhood. And that's when I realized well, you, it's not that you had no chance of, of, of getting anywhere, but God, you know, all the things that you've been through, I'm not, you know, that was a realization to me, you know, I'm not surprised this happened to you. Look at what you've been through. Um, and that's um, when I began a, a, what did I begin? A blog, sorry. Um, I needed a place to just express myself. I had ended up going back to my mom's house because I wasn't very um, well mentally and it was there I started to write this um, this blog and from that people started to write back to me which was really unexpected because I thought my my blog was set to private um, and people were saying um, you know I can't believe someone's talking about this so I grew up like this as well and I've seen nobody say anything and um, whilst I was in this breakdown I started to look for services um, that could help me, you know, child survivors of domestic abuse, children who had been affected, and there wasn't any. And um, something just clicked, and I thought, I've I've got to do this. I've got to, you know, if it's not there, I've got to create it. And I had the opportunity because I, you know, I wasn't doing anything. Um, you know, I was just in recovery, and I started it. You know, very, um, you know, very basically with a Facebook group, I did a half marathon to raise funds um, and then created a website and started to develop a program of ways that I could help other people that had been through the same thing. And eventually a really lovely service that I still work with now, Free Your Mind Still Works With Now, called Hestia. Um, gave me um, the opportunity to support children within their refuges and it was just me for a long long time and um, we just built up a reputation we built up um, trust and now we work with hundreds of children in London and across London. So what exactly do you do with the children that you work with um, in London and around? So specifically, we work um, with the children and um, providing them with counselling and therapy and mentoring. So it um, so what happens is the process is that we receive referrals, um, you, mostly through social services or refuge um, or schools and sometimes self-referrals. Those, those are increasing now. 
And then what will happen is there's more people on the team now. So we have a team of counsellors, therapists and mentors. And we will look at um, who's best place to work with each child. That gets allocated. And then they are provided with a... um, with um, what you would call a, a program of sessions, um, which can go from six to 12 weeks of support to help them process the trauma, give them a place to to talk, um, teach them regulation skills like, um, you know, the correct breathing exercises to help them relax and help calm themselves down. Um, and just to help, just, you know, it's, it's a space for them um, to use as they wish, but the, the, the idea is for them to process their trauma. Um, the other thing is that Free Your Mind is a service with people that are that all have lived experience. And so we bring that to the service as well. So um, whilst we don't spend the session talking about our own experiences, the opportunity is there to ask questions if they want. Um, and also... Um, it's it's there we, we're there as I guess role models um, to an extent to show them that things do change and things do get better because when you're in your in your um you know in, in the situation that you are in growing up you don't think things can get better you don't have you don't necessarily have the role models to show you that um things can things can get better and things can be normal and you can achieve things um but each and every one of us has their own story and has overcome a lot of trauma to to be in the roles that we are now how is it for you on a kind of personal level to be able to help other people going through kind of similar things that you went through as a child is that ever triggering for you or do you find it really fulfilling it used to be um when i didn't have as much as experience sorry as much experience as i have now even though i have studied counseling i've studied um child child psychotherapy and i'm couldn't currently doing my phd um it did used to trigger me and i didn't necessarily use the tools that i'd been taught Mm. to process um what i was hearing properly um and so that that um that made me go and seek um, and and sort of buffer up what I'd learned um, to to teach me how to manage um, what I was hearing because I used to take it home with me and sit with it and let it take over. But um, you know, with experience, you definitely become stronger and you definitely um, learn to leave things that work. But being a human, there there are still cases that I work with that you know, we'll still sit in the back of my head and I'll think, hmm, hmm what are we going to do with this? <laughs> what are we going to do with this family? Or um, how's the best, what's the best thing to do with this child? What, you know, um, and, and that's when you seek um, supervision or um, you talk to another member of your team and try to get their point of view. What would they do um, and, and learn from them? I think it's completely natural for them to stick with you. I think it's something that you obviously care really deeply about. Mm. And it's very hard to listen to really difficult stories and just be like, yep, just clock on home. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) You wouldn't be human otherwise, would you? Exactly. Do you feel like having your own experience of trauma, but also kind of going through years of not really resolving it, do you think that helps you understand the people you work with better do you think that helps you in any way 
Yeah, I think so. I think there's an extra empathy that comes with lived experience. There's an extra understanding. There's um, there's an understanding beyond what's not spoken, um, mm. what's not said from the child. Um, I've worked with a child before that was going through the court process and they had agreed to things um, that were not really in their favour or the or the best for their well-being, um, as I could see. And I said to them, um, you know, um, what, you know, what made you say um, those things? Did you feel any pressure? And um, and they said yes. And and the only reason why I asked them that question is because I could sense it from, you know, it's it's something mm. that I experienced as a child myself, and something didn't make sense, so I asked the question. Now, you could argue that's my professional experience, but I would I would argue back <laughs> that it was my lived experience that made me ask that question also for example um, when working with social services which we do a lot and um, I think the lived experience comes into play a lot there because all services that work in domestic abuse or mental health we have um, there's, there's slight restrictions um, for example they want us to see children as quickly as possible and for me um, that's not the sort of organization that I'm trying to build where we are seeing people you know we just get trying to get people in and out the door it was never built to do things like that it was built to genuinely um, see people through to the end um, and give them the tools to to be able to cope um, thereafter and and that lived experience um, side of things comes comes with that because if I was just only um, trained um, but not had lived experience I might really I might abide to that I might abide by that and 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 just think okay well six weeks that's all you get but for me I I, de I tend to push a lot and say no um this child needs has as much time as they as they need you know as they can and um I think that extra advocacy having lived experience helps with things like that yeah that sounds really great because from what I've heard from social services it is very much there's there's such a short time frame of of how long they work with families it does seem to be sort of really in and out you've almost got kind of a couple of weeks so it's really great that you're kind of you're actually thinking no we need we need longer we we need as much time as the child needs as you said yeah I think it's really important you know it's a shame because we're all under so much pressure right I really I do appreciate how much um pressure social social workers have such a tough job um but um, as as a service that comes from from me it's really important that I can um, sit back at the end of the day and know know that we've done as much as we can and that means seeing a child um, you know within reason as long as possible um, before we discharge them. Mm. What are some of the most common problems that um, children are facing especially at the moment because obviously it's been an, like an incredibly difficult year for everyone but it must be incredibly difficult for children particularly it is complicated and difficult for children especially at the minute you know you've I, I think on a gen you know on a on a across the board level we have all been quite traumatized by the pandemic you know we've had so much you know we've had our freedom taken away we've had so much um our, our lifestyles change we're all we've we've been at home for so long and then you add and then we you know we haven't been able to see our loved ones um if they don't live with us of course 
Um, but if you've been um, witnessing domestic abuse during that time, then you are so much more affected. And um, the children are, you know, we're seeing a lot of children that I would say um, would have the symptoms of depression, um, really bad anxiety, um, just a longing for normality, um, wanting to see their friends again, wanting to see other people that may have provided them with relief. Um, you know, for some school, for some children, school is a really safe space for them because they get away from home for a little while. Um, but then there is a flip side where there are a handful of children that are really happy to not be at school because um, they have a hard time there. So um, I would say across the board, it's it's been really difficult for children because they've been so um, cut off from um, little lifelines that just keep them going. So can you tell us a bit more about um, what you'll be planning to do sort of with the charity going forwards um, and sort of maybe over the, the coming year? Because sort of as we've discussed, the, the past year has been really hard on kids. Are there any sort of particular things that you've got planned uh, or other charities that you're, you might be sort of teaming up with? So there are some things in the in the pipeline, but unfortunately, it's that annoying thing when you you can't say anything yet. But um, we are, yeah, it's it's, it's an I get annoyed when I hear someone say that, so it's annoying. Um, but we are um, moving into different um, cities um, and areas, so we can um, we can see more children. And we're also partnering up with other organisations as well. So it's it's really positive and. And, um, you know, we are doing the work that I set out, you know, that, you know, it was my mission in the beginning. And, um, you know, we have really grown um, and adapted over the past year in, in a way that um, I guess I, I don't think I was prepared for, but perhaps I was preparing in an, in, to an extent. Um, the pandemic brought on a huge set of challenges that I didn't see coming because, you know, as a face-to-face service, we had to go online. And I did think to myself, well, how is this going to translate online? But it's been fantastic, Um, you know, and what we've taught, you know, what we've learned in this year is that we can build really, we can still build really good relationships with children um, online um, or over the phone. And I never would have imagined that if you'd asked me before the pandemic, I would have said, no, we're a face to face service. We want to see the children, um, you know, you know, in person. And that's that's it. But um, the pandemic has shown us that we can do that and it's also meant that we were able to see lots more children um we had a 900 percent increase in referrals to our service over the pandemic which is huge um and horrifying <laughs> and you know that shows you just how how um you know domestic abuse incidents of domestic abuse increased over the pandemic and can continue to increase unfortunately but um being adaptable and flexible in how we provide our service meant that we were able to to be there for many children and um you know when i when i think back um oh you know we're still in the pandemic when i think now um i think god i haven't actually met that child but it feels like i did because you build such a rapport and um 
you know, that's a skill in itself, being able to to build really good relationships online like that with someone that you actually haven't physically met in person. I think a lot of people will be listening to this and going like, oh God, I really hope that this isn't happening. I hope that no child I know is going through this awful mm. thing. What are like the common signs that a child can might show that something isn't quite right or they're dealing with unresolved trauma? I always find this hard to answer because there's no set kind of way of showing um, showing up. But if a child has been, um, you know, if you know a child very well and suddenly they start to, the behaviour changes in quite extreme ways or even subtle ways, actually, um, be curious about that and and ask, and maybe ask them how they're feeling or um, what's going on. Um, I was a child that went, under the radar so you would never have picked up on me mm-hmm. um and then you've got the children that are the, what you call the typical um what you would you i you typically identify as traumatized um who are you know disrupting the class shouting mm-hmm. angry but it's not always like that um so i would say just be mindful around every child that you meet because you just never know um be interested in them um genuinely um listen to them because um when a child genuinely knows that you are here and and you want to listen to them um they might want to talk to you more and they might open up to you and they might share what they're going through um but if you know the child really well then you will be able to I, to notice when their behaviour changes and, and that will tell you um, that something might be going on for them. And I would say, um, again, just be curious and ask them about, um, you know, what might be happening for them. Um, and then, you know, if you do find that it, has, it is as a result of domestic abuse, um, see, this is where... And it gets tricky because um, reporting domestic abuse then puts the victim who would be the, well, the child is the victim too, but it also puts the, the parent who is also a victim um, in a bit of an um, unsafe space. Um, reason I say that is because the most... Um, the, the most volatile time, the, the, the time where a victim is most unsafe is when she's about to leave or she's trying yeah. to leave. Um, that's when um, perpetrators really up the ante in their behaviour and um, they really try to keep them at home and their behaviour becomes more terrifying and violent and controlling. So um, I would not so what I would say is I would talk to the parent and just ask her how she's feeling and how she's doing and be there and if she is trying to leave then you can talk to her about how she you know what how she plans to do that and um how you can help and if if um possible then call the domestic abuse helpline who can help make that transition and get her into a refuge or or um can look at perhaps if there's a family member or even a friend or maybe that friend who can um house them for a little while while they move but it's again you've got it's remembering that that is the most volatile time Mm. um and so you've, you've whilst you're protecting them you've also got to keep yourself safe too so it is I think quite difficult. It's such an important thing to know as well, because I think a lot of us think, oh, my instinct is I'll step in and I'll do everything I can uh-huh. and rescue. And, you know, you can be quite rash with it. So that's a really good point of saying maybe the best thing is just to be a place of support 
right. and take it a bit slowly. Mm. Yeah, there's also some, be careful. some really there's mm. also some really good um, charities in particular, aren't there? Like Refuge and Women's Aid, who kind of mm. offer advice about that sort of situation, what to do to sort of support a friend or a family member um, who's going through that. Um, yeah we work with refuge um and we're in a coalition with women's aid and women's aid um both both charities they um provide um refuge you know um housing um temporary housing um and so that's really important um because that is part of getting to safety um you know that's something we don't do because we specifically um focus on the children but we definitely work with them to make sure that once the child is there that they're getting what they need oh you're doing such brilliant work thank you you know it's grown beyond um anything i could have imagined when it's when i started it nine years ago um yeah it's sometimes you know go it's sometimes over sometimes overwhelms me (laughs) like how did you do that (laughs) what's that you (laughs) it wasn't just me um you know I have a really great team and we all work together to provide this this, you know the service as it is now but it has, has been a long journey and um you know I didn't set out to to start a a, a business as we as you call it um the business side of it is the part that I dislike the most <laughs> I just want to help people I want to help children I want to provide support um and then there's the the, the part that you know you can't avoid which is well you've got to you know there's admin there's accounts mm. there's this there's that and that's the side that I didn't um really think about when I had that dream in the beginning um but that's why I have a great team now because they help um manage a lot of those things mm, that's good that's always the not fun bit no it's <laughs> not it's fun like, I'm saving the world <laughs> I'm doing really important shit and then it's like you need to fill in this spreadsheet and right oh. like I'm busy. Right. I'm like, give me a break, please. (laughs) And then I decided to go back to university, which I'm questioning every day. (laughs) Why have you taken on more work? (laughs) That's a really good question. Mm. (laughs) Um, For me, it was because when I first went to uni, um, I didn't have a great experience. I um, really struggled. I mean, academically, I struggled anyway because of everything I was going through um and I had two learning um disabilities that I didn't know I had at the time so I struggled through my first degree and I just wanted to go back and see if I could have a better experience this time <laughs> there might be a brilliant I yeah. retract my I retract my question of why are you doing that? <laughs> I mean, I still really cool. go with what you asked. <laughs> that's still, yeah, yeah. that's still a question I, I ask myself. But knowing I have the the learning disabilities, um, you know, it, it's been helpful because you know I know why I struggled mm. um, the first time, and I know why I still struggle now. But um, now there's so much more support, and you know how your brain works, and what you know, and the you know the best way to study and things like that so yeah it's it's far more difficult because everything is you know I'm just doing tons of research now but um it's definitely a better experience because I feel far more confident in learning mm. than I did the first time I guess I got I've got a couple more questions 
I don't know if it's going to come out as one question or two, but anyway, I think I'd really like like to hear from you to sort of any sort of advice for listeners who've been through similar things to you as a child, because we have quite a mix of listeners and it sounds like, you know, you're in a really positive place now and you've done a lot of work and you sort of really come come far. But um, is there anything you sort of say to anyone who's still dealing with the, the trauma of what, you know, what you went through? It's, this is a really hard one to to keep in mind um, and it's it, it's you know healing is you know not a straightforward process you will go up and down in in, in you know and that goes for anyone to be honest um, in in life as we we grow um, in age and experience but having experienced domestic abuse the trauma of domestic abuse in your childhood it's important for you to to not blame yourself and to really understand that um you did nothing to to bring that situation into your life to 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 for that behavior to have been around you for the violence you saw that you are not at fault for that in any capacity and that you know that was a hard thing for me to learn and it's and it's i see i see that in pretty much every child that I work with, there's a lot of guilt, you know, um, because children are, you know, not not egoic in the way that, you know, everybody, you know, um, the way that we'd imagine it in, you know, everybody loves me and, you know, all that type of thing. They, that's just how they are in their development. Um, you know, to, 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 a, to a certain age, we are in an egoic stage. And so, what that means is that when we're looking out at the world, we think that everything is happening because of us. It's all about mm. me. Um, and so if there's violence in your home and you're seeing your mum being hit or you're being shouted at and, and, and all the rest of the things that you can experience, you're going to think that is your fault. And I work with children and, you know, it's something I had to work through myself, um, which is to really work through the guilt of um you know, knowing that that it wasn't your fault, and realizing that there's nothing to feel guilty for. So that's the the first thing. But understand that you won't feel, you won't just that won't just land with you in a day. It takes time to understand that 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 guilt isn't yours to carry. It, it, you very much need to hand that back to the person who caused you harm. Um, and then I'd say be really compassionate with yourself and patient because it all takes time. We, you know, um, often get very frustrated with ourselves because we want quick results. We just want to feel better. Um, and it does, you know, it just doesn't work like that. We must take time. We, we must take a step every day um, and ask ourselves, what is it that I need today? And, and try and offer that to ourselves as much as possible, whether that is um, a bit of time out, a walk, um, seeing a friend. Um, is it that I need to um, seek therapy? Is it that I, I just need to sit and read? Is it that I need to listen to music? It's, it's really tuning into yourself, but being compassionate all the time. And being able to be compassionate towards yourself gives you that that space to have compassion for others, which is important too, because we we generally can't give that if we don't have it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's important and and seek help. You know, there's services like Free Your Mind. Um, we work with pe we work with um, individuals from the age of six to twenty five, um, and we 
there's a, such a huge age range because I was in my 20s before I sought support. Mm. And so, um, you, you know, you're never too old to seek support from a service like ours or, and, you know, any, and any other mental health services that are out there. Please don't um, sit in silence or, 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 sit, or, or um, think that you're on your own because there are people that will help you. Goodbye from mentally yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, you can give the Samaritans and Ring on 116123. If you like Mentally Yours, you can also find us on Twitter. We're at MentallyYRS. We also have a lovely Facebook group, which is just called Mentally Yours. And if you really liked us, you could do us a massive favour and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated. Uh, helps us, you know, continue doing what we're doing. So please do rate and review and check back in next week for more Mentally Yours. 